0: From SportsPro, this is The Playbook Podcast. I'm Matt Rogan and this is The Playbook Podcast, where leaders from inside and outside sport share pragmatic advice for leading and managing through change. Today, we're looking at building and launching a new strategy. right now, much of our industry is thinking hard about how to rebuild its model and challenge the way things are done. But thinking long-term isn't easy when the day-to-day is throwing enough curveballs at you and what does a strategy even look like? To help shed some light on this topic, it's a good friend and chief executive of brilliant business. Trade Jews of Limelight Sports Group, a sports marketing agency that unlocks the power of participation in sport.
1: I think certainly our senior team know that you can't achieve what we want to do with our vision by little tweaks incrementally, day-to-day, day-to-day. You're not going to keep up by just small little changes day-to-day. So there has to be every now and then these big kind of leaps forward in terms of change of
0: strategy. There's been no part of our industry hit more tangibly by the pandemic than participation sport. But whatever part of the industry you work in, there's a lot to learn here from the candid reflections Craig shares with us, in particular, how to navigate the short term of the business while you build out a compelling long-term strategy. So Craig, hi, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. Good. Look, we're we're delighted to have you with us. I guess to kick off with, going to wheel the clock back 12 months, I think. And uh, for those people that have read the Sports Pro CEO playbook, we mentioned in there that you launched a new strategy. I guess the intention for today is to to sort of have a conversation with you, reflecting on how that's been over the course of the last sort of 12 months and, and how you found the whole journey and creation of that. But I guess it probably makes sense to, to, to start with giving people just a little bit of context on the background of the organisation, you know, where Limelight comes from and, and your journey to this point, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, sure. No problem, Matt. Uh, so last June, Limelight actually celebrated 30 years of existence. Um, we've, throughout our history, exclusively focused on uh, sports participation, events and, and programmes. Um, basically we want to get people active uh, probably most well known for the agency arm of the business uh, so we've worked with Nike for, for 20 years, way back to uh, for those who remember it, Run London days uh, but we still work with them uh, right up to now uh, we also created Skyride Sport Relief Mile uh, more recently am uh, Team GB and the FA People's Cup uh, and Raw Parts Half Marathon so that's kind of you know those who haven't heard of, of Limelight's, uh, hopefully have, have heard of many of the sort of award-winning campaigns that we've uh, put together with uh, our clients. And then more latterly, over the last uh, couple of years, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about today, is um, we, we've now become also a rights holder. So we've got a separate division where we've acquired the rights to some of the UK's most iconic um, uh, sports events, sports participation events.
0: Fantastic. I, I guess it's, if uh, you think about it, you know, the, the modern sports industry probably began with Mark McCormack at the beginning of the 60s, and here we are in the 2020s. And so Limelight's kind of lived half the life of the sports marketing industry, which is an interesting thought. Um, I guess latterly, to to fuel that sort of property ownership, property development, you, you've made some acquisitions as well, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a couple of years ago, um, we were aware that IMG um, were looking for a home uh, for their UK mass participation portfolio. Uh, So London Triathlon, Glendon Triathlon being the two most well-known ones. Um, And so we uh, acquired them under a long-term license from IMG. Uh, And last year, we then acquired um, Virgin Sport uh, and their portfolio of events. So Oxford Half Marathon, Hackney Moves Festival, um, which is really, really exciting uh, for us. Uh, And also the ASICS uh, 10K, formerly the British 10K. So in terms of what we're looking for, we're looking for events that can be kind of leaders in, in their field. We're not looking to, to own dozens and dozens of events. We want the best or, or certainly events that be, can become uh, the best in, in terms of high quality experience for participants. And
0: I guess then um, a moves as bold as that can only be made when you're really clear what you want the organization to look like and stand for over the course of the, of the next period of time. To start with then, what, what told you that sort of these two separate divisions and your new strategy would be a good idea? You know, what told you that it was time to launch a new strategy in the first place? Were you seeing anything in the business that made you think, mm, kind of need to change this
1: up? Uh, very much so. So I, I've been doing this role for 20 years in in the autumn, and I think this will be our fifth or sixth kind of strategy cycle. Um, so the event is a, sorry, the, the company is a very different company to where it was only five years ago and completely, you know, obviously nothing like what it was 20 years ago. But in terms of kind of like the latest strategy, there were lots of kind of signals, uh, that were leading us to go down, down this route. Uh, first of all, obviously our own business data, uh, we're looking at things, you know, uh, the clients demanding more for less real kind of pressure on, on, um, Uh, agency revenues, digital, obviously, Um, a lot of of, of, uh, uh, the revenues which we were previously getting were being invested into digital, which is a lot easier to measure returns on. Uh, So that was a big pressure. Um, We've seen, because of that, an uptick in churn on our clients. It's still, uh, our retention rate is actually really good. But any time you obviously start seeing a little bit more churn, that becomes a, uh, a concern. I think generally the costs of of the, the things that we do uh, are rising, which is putting a squeeze on on margins. So they're, they're all kind of like, there was a myriad of, of kind of business data, but then just looking broader at the industry. So participation, sp- particip- participation in sports, participation events um, was all, you know, showing signs of plateauing after some pretty strong growth. In the wider kind of world, you know, consumer, how consumers... Interact and consume was obviously changing massively, and I think you know examples such as subscription models and whatever uh, were completely revolutionising virtually every other aspect of, of a consumer's kind of lifestyle, and our industry hasn't really moved uh, with with those times.
0: I was going to say it's, it's interesting when you when you talk about all those different things. You know, you didn't you didn't once mention the the P or the C word you know, pandemic or COVID and you'd be working on it way before then, right? And the drivers for uh, how you've reshaped the business have absolutely had to do with 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 the way society is changing and evolving and sport within that.
1: 100%. The, the, the strategy was actually kind of developed uh, and um, in 2019 is where, when we started. We uh, launched it internally and externally um, last year, um, but absolutely. For me, the strategy was right pre-pandemic. Obviously, it's thrown up some other challenges uh, along the way, but the strategy is is still the right one. And so, you know, our investors, our board have been fantastic and have backed us and we've continued on that plan. Well, let's
0: start with um, that moment when I imagine you're on the way home from work or you're out for a run or you're doing something active and just you sort of reflecting on all these signs that you mentioned that that you were seeing in the market and kind of dawning realization you need to change the business before you really have to you, you know and it's it's time to time to make some shifts like as chief exec you know how did you know where to start and, and what was the time process involving all the different stakeholders
1: yeah i think you're absolutely right you've hit, hit a key thing on the head there we Always change our strategy or look to, to to create a new strategy when things are going well. I think as soon as they're going not very well, it's it's too late because obviously creating a strategy takes time, takes a lot of buying. You know, we have a very very strong culture uh, at Limelight. We attract very passionate people about you know who want to work in, in participation sport um, rather rather than professional sport um, and. Because of that, we need to take them kind of on, on the journey with us. I think it's really, really important. Uh, uh, you know, it's the operational teams who have a huge amount kind of on their plate uh, in their day job. And then you're asking them to embrace change at the same time. That puts a huge amount of pressure on them. So they, they have to believe in, in the overall vision. They have to understand uh, why we're doing it. Um, And so that was very much our our starting point. So the team kind of uh, revisited our our vision, creating an active world together, uh, which was developed in 2016 by the team uh, to make sure that was still kind of fit for purpose and and correct. We have five guiding principles, which again, were developed way back. The original version were developed kind of 10, 15 years ago. Every sort of three or four years, they're, they're, they're refreshed by the team to, to make sure. So so we revisited uh, those again, um, and then they were heavily engaged in uh, the development of our new brand and, and consumer uh, propositions. So all the way through um, the team and, and different members of the team were, were involved in helping us uh, uh, de- uh, develop the new strategy. That said, I also believe very strongly, it's the leaders, uh, you know, the leadership senior leadership team should lead and so we want to kind of uh, bring everybody with us, involve them so they understand it, but the ultimate key decisions need to, need to be made by, by leaders. Um, but obviously, if people believe in what you're trying to do, um, kind of getting them to embrace that change is a lot easier. Um, critically for, for Limelight, you know, we're a small company uh, based out of London, 60 people. So we have a myriad of uh, partners, um, and kind of friends of the business who we lean on a lot to kind of um you know uh, sound out their kind of whether they believe our strategy you know is obviously right whether um you know we're going far enough and so we consulted a huge number of people uh, when developing this strategy um because it's it it's gone a lot further than any of our previous iterations uh because of that we've needed the board and our investors to really buy in. They've been absolutely critical, particularly given that we're implementing it year one of the strategy during the global pandemic.
0: It's a sign probably
1: of the the voter confidence
0: that, you know, as a a sports agency, let alone a mass participation sports agency, the board were okay with you spending money on on acquiring rights and assets during 2020. It sort of speaks to the confidence you're able to create. How, How did you engage or did you engage at all with clients? So... We talked about this a lot in two circles, you know, because a lot of our clients became friends, <laughs> you know, so distinguishing between friends of our business and our clients, we sort of won the same a lot. Did, did you did you talk to them or did you, how did you handle that group?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, lots of clients, clients are very different. It's a big capsule for lots of different uh, personalities. And, you know, there, there are some clients who don't necessarily want you to change because, you're doing great stuff for them and they want you to carry on doing what you're doing for them. Um, and we've had, we've got very, very long standing clients. I mentioned Nike, um, uh, but the Royal Parks is over 10 years, JP Morgan's over 15 years. So we, we have long term relationships and, and some of the, some clients want us to, you know, just keep doing what we're doing. But I think absolutely we, we engaged them. We talked uh, to, to many of them. Nike, I've mentioned twice already. Obviously, what we've learned from Nike over the last 20 years has been incredible. You know, they, they've kept us moving forward. Uh, obviously, they're always kind of, you know, leading edge in, in what's going on. So uh, we certainly consulted a lot of uh, the guys from from the Nike team.
0: What were, um, so when you've been through the consultation period and, uh, and you have something written down on paper uh, in terms of where the business is going to go, and clearly yours was was pretty big changes. What, what, if you look back, what were the biggest changes you, you agreed collectively? What were the two or three headlines that made even you go gulp?
1: As I said, this was probably our boldest kind of strategy so far. Um, so the first key change was I stepped away uh, from the operational aspects of, of the business. Uh, we created three new divisions, um, each with uh, its own managing director and each with its own senior management team. Now, of course, a lot of those people were existing um, limelight uh, people who, have, you know, again, we we tend to have a lot of people who it's their dream job, so they stay around for a long time. Um, And so we have elevated those up into sort of key leadership roles. Um, So, yes, so stepping away, that was quite daunting. Uh, I'm not a control freak, but, you know, I've I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, But we've got three fantastic people running the divisions. And so... Um, The agency division, um, the rights holding divisions we talked about, and also uh, we created a new uh, digital uh, division. But then we, for each, we then looked at the new kind of um, model and proposition for how we wanted to to present ourselves. Um, And the agency perhaps has gone through kind of one of the biggest changes. You know, we're quite famous for delivering great events, uh, which is fantastic. But what we wanted to present more to people and bring to the front to, to people is what goes before that in terms of, you know, creating big ideas, using insight and our creativity. So lots of the, the, uh, events and campaigns that we've developed, we actually, you know, developed from nothing. And, and I think that, that piece of what we do is overshadowed by the fact that our guys are excellent at delivering them too. So we've tried to kind of really focus our new proposition on, on the, the creativity and the inside Ed uh, ideas uh, for the agency. Uh, then for the, um, for the rights holding division, um, you know we've got huge plans, as I said, we don't want a multitude of different events. We want to, to, to get these events and we want to make them kind of uh, case studies for best in class. You know, we want to make them really customer, uh, customer focused and great participation experiences. And that's much broader, obviously, than the actual race uh, it, itself. Um, the digital offer, as I said at the start, digital was becoming a real challenge for us as a business. So, of course, we want to embrace it. So the digital team are responsible for t- transforming our whole business and making us much more uh, digital. Uh, led. We, you know we, we've done a lot of digital things in event and for our clients um now we want to really use it to, to kind of uh, change change the whole business
0: it's um it's obviously several big shifts there i guess i i, I thought i might touch on a couple if that's okay uh, the first one um i mean having been in limelight a few, a few times you you just sense the minute you walk in how proud everyone is to be there how passionate they are about about what they do um all of which is great um 99 of the time but then if you're building a new strategy they care desperately about that too and the nature of human humans is is that not everyone agrees all all the time so how do you handle it when maybe people don't agree with with some of the directions of travel strategically or you know maybe the way the organization is going isn't right for somebody who's who's been there forever and a day, you know, how did, how do you manage that? You
1: got any tips? Yeah, I I think you're right. It's, it's a huge challenge. Um, and you know, as I said, for a long time, we were very famous for doing great, uh, events and we still do great events. Um, and what we're trying to kind of get the team to understand the operational teams to understand is because we want to, broaden our proposition or, or promote different aspects of our proposition that doesn't mean we're leaving the rest behind <laughs> you know, that's one of the challenges as a small company with such fundamental change is you know impacting you know short-term revenues or short-term operations it's you know that's quite a daunting daunting thing so I, I think the, the the key to it is starting with what are we trying to achieve that vision piece our guiding principles and the fundamentals are so strong. And for me, I think certainly our senior team know that you can't achieve what we want to do with our vision by little tweaks incrementally, day-to-day, day-to-day, because it's difficult enough to keep up with going on kind of, you know, in, in the world anyway. You're not going to keep up by just small little changes day-to-day. So there has to be every now and then these big kind of leaps forward in terms of
0: change of strategy. One of the other themes I, I thought I might pick up on actually came up in um, another podcast recently with, with Sheridan's um, that we did for the show, another one with Emily Fraser we, 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 from Matchroom. We were talking about stepping away because it's something I, I had to do was moving from chief exec to exec chair at Two Circles. And, and that process for you of stepping away, I guess anyone who's who's been quite entrepreneurial you know, one of the things that's important when you're an entrepreneur is to be on top of everything. And then all of a sudden your job is, the business grows, is not to be on top of everything. Same question, I guess, <laughs> what, what have you learned? Have you got any tips for how best to do that when every bone in your body is saying, need to get stuck in, need to get stuck in, just just taking the fifth and, and stepping back?
1: I think the first key thing you learn, and it's not just at that that level, but I think throughout the organisation. Is if you give somebody the opportunity, it's amazing how often they step up to, to the plate. Um, and so yes, it was. Even though I knew the team that we were putting in was super talented, um, you know, it. Yes, you're right. It, it kind of handing over the baby sort of thing, and they've come in and they've kind of you know done more than than we thought they would do. We thought there would be a longer transition. They're, they've really stepped in and, and moved the business forward. And then I think the key is obviously knowing the key things that you want to keep a handle on. Um, and there are always in, in any business, I think some, some real, if you know, four or five things are going right and keep a handle on those at kind of a high level, then everything else is kind of going to be fine.
0: You've done the work, you've co-created a plan. Uh, and I guess one of the things with a strategy is it can feel a bit amorphous and a bit sort of you know, what what actually is it? <laughs> um, so maybe we'll start with that. So what did your strategy look like, and was it the same thing you presented to um, shareholders, say, as as co-created with the team? You know, what what was it? Was it a piece of paper? Was it a video? What what would it look like? I think it was a bit of
1: everything. Um... Yes, of course, there's a document um, and there's a document that we use to, to make sure that, that we uh, are keeping on track uh, for the team. We did a big, you know, uh, presentation, took over the Curzon cinema in Allgate and presented to them, um, you know, what this plan would be and, and how these three divisions were going to, to fit together under the same kind of overarching brand, culture, vision, but would all work kind of with their own business model but then how would that all fit together? So, so as I said before, the, the team had all been involved in developing the, the, the strategy, but that was the point at which they saw kind of how it all fitted together. And it was also the point where we did the big new brand reveal, which was uh, very exciting. So it wasn't a big wow moment because they'd been involved, but it kind of hopefully made all the pieces fit together in a, in a, in a way that made sense. Then each of, of uh, the divisions then have their own, obviously, plans to to, uh, uh, to, to execute uh, as part of the overarching uh, strategy. So externally, so we, we did that big uh, presentation in 27th of February, 2020, uh, due to launch two weeks later on the 16th of March, so uh, you can guess what happened uh, next. Um, so, but yes, so it, it's, it's lots of things. Yeah, we we did the fancy video, we did the new brand, we've got a, uh, a strategy um, document that, that we're working to and got signed off by the board. And then each of the divisions has their own uh, individual plans.
0: That piece you mentioned around, we've got a strategy document, helps us keep on track and helps us manage the business. I think it's really interesting because having been a strategy consultant, I've seen far too many strategy documents created and then left in a drawer or put in a shelf um, which makes them next to useless so um, how how do you practically manage against the strategy do you have a plan that you look at every board meeting or every quarter or how how do you do that
1: yeah i I think it's more in in terms of the the key indicators that that we're looking at so you know internally um, as a team we'll get together every quarter, our whole team, and kind of we'll, we'll check in against where we're at uh, on the strategy. Every Tuesday at nine o'clock, the whole team gets together for half an hour and does kind of like, you know, more uh, day-to-day updates on kind of, you know, what, what we've uh, achieved as, as a group and share that across the whole group, which obviously is very important now with three uh, divisions. But then all the way through, you know, the guiding principles form the bedrock of uh, performance reviews um, of, um, you know, we 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 celebrate uh, when people have kind of uh, exemplified one of the guiding principles or have moved us closer towards uh, our vision. As I say, the, 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 each business unit has their own plan and their own KPIs and how we're performing on that feeds through into ultimately into, into the board papers. Uh, we meet monthly to, to make sure uh, that all of that's on track. So, you know, it's a combination of kind of short term kind of seeing where we're at kind of against where we thought we'd be this year and how that fits in obviously
0: I didn't know what your answer to that question was going to be. And I guess it it seems to me that that's, um, from everything I've learned, that's kind of best in class, really, in terms of if you're doing it at a top-down level, at at a board level, saying, you know, management team level going, this is where we are, this is where we need to be, where are we off, where are we from a KPI level? But also at an every employee level, um, you're rewarding them and focusing them based on... Um, what they've done, i.e., that their role profiles relate to the direction that the strategy sets. So it's, there's a clear line of sight there, but also how they've done it and the values and the behaviours and some of the softer bits of the jigsaw as well. That in a people business like Limelight and indeed people business was two circles is completely fundamental. Um, so it feels like you, you've got things pretty bang on, if you <laughs> don't mind me
1: saying. But also, you know, I won't say it's been perfect for the last 15 months. Obviously, it hasn't you know, furlough, remote working, you know, as you say, as a people business, people love to be together. Um, and so, you know, it's been challenging, but we've, we've kept it on track, albeit we paused for three months uh, to, to, you know, come up with a short-term strategy, which was survival. Um, but then, yeah, we, we, we restarted again kind of last June. Um, and, you know, so far, you know, we're probably still in a bit of survival mode in 2021. Um, but equally, you know, we set ourselves at the start of the pandemic, three challenges. One, survive. Two, nobody loses their job because of the pandemic, if at all possible. Three, come out ready to be stronger and ready for the bounce back, which we're absolutely confident is going to be a massive bounce back.
0: And I guess you've, you've probably had to calibrate as part of that you know where you might have hoped to be at the end of 2021 given you launched strategy internally before the the thing hit um it, has that just been a case of recalibrating the timeline or the priorities but with the overarching goal remaining identical so have you given yourself another year or another bit of time
1: i mean this is the the strange thing like if, if we put aside our where we're at with our financial plan in our know, five-year plan Um, and actually look at what we've been able to do. So as I said, we spent the first three months, you know, last March to to end of May, right? What's our plan to to get through this? Um, And we had huge buy-in from board all the way through the team. You know, people supported us by going on furlough. People supported us by taking 20%. Everybody in the business took 20% less hours and and obviously salary against that. Um, The board supported it with uh, funding uh, sign-off. So all the way through, kind of everybody bought into the plan. And I mentioned our our get-togethers, our quarterly meetings became virtually every week, and we'd explain to everybody exactly where we were. Uh, And, you know, that's why I know we've got a great culture, because everybody backed it. It It's a new, it's a very short-term, almost like a sprint, I think, in, in your technology world. Uh, a sprint strategy to kind of get us through uh, that that first uh, three months or so, but then we changed heads. So and 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 focus then on okay, we're going to have time and resource available now for the next however long, and we actually focused on how could we accelerate our plan. So as you, as you mentioned, we we um, then bought Virgin Sports. Um, We accelerated our plans to to build out our own tech stack and single customer view. Um, And we've also uh, accelerated our plans for a consumer um, uh, tech platform proposition, uh, which we brought forward by a year in our strategy. So as I say, put finances to one side, bizarrely, COVID has enabled us to have the thinking time and resource available to actually accelerate our, our plan. It's interesting. I mean, from a 2
0: circles perspective, we, we used to still do run the business based on a balanced scorecard, So, um, which is loosely current, and future, internal and external. Uh, and that's based originally off some research from Sheffield University did years ago, um, which looked at sustainable success in, in business comes from um, making sure you're focusing on clients, on finance, on your innovation and your process. Um in relatively equal measure, but that doesn't have to be in any one year or two years, you know. So it sounds like what, what you've done is you've known exactly where you're trying to get, and you just prioritise some areas of that two by two grid or whatever your your framework is early, in order then to push it back into the other spaces when the world when the world opens up. Is that is that a fair summary?
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think our plans are as sophisticated as uh, the two circles one, by the sound of it, but absolutely. So we spend that time kind of moving forward with the next phase of the plan was we couldn't do the day, the day jobs of the team, basically. So we, we repurposed people, moved them into, into the, uh, the technology team uh, to kind of get us ahead of, ahead of the game. Now you're right, you know, uh, events are opening up the second half of the year. We've got events deferred from 2020 and 21, and every kind of weekend uh, kind of going forward through to the end of October, the teams are going to be at full tilt and having come back from furlough, that that's a challenge in in itself. So obviously we're not burdening them with lots of other things like they, they've got to focus on kind of dele- delivering to the quality that, that we expect uh, this year. So, so absolutely that, you know, resource is being diverted to, to where it's needed most, but we've been able to get ahead of the game over the last 12 months.
0: Yeah. It makes, it makes total sense. And I, 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 does it, um, having that strategy help you, um, and having that clarity help you know what to say no to, you know, cause there's that phrase that you only know you've got a strategy when you know what to say no to, you know, do you find with the world opening up now, you're getting opportunities given to you left, right and center, but you're able to keep the, your, your team and yourself on the, on the straight and narrow. Uh,
1: absolutely. I think it's important obviously right at this moment or it certainly has been for the last year to be flexible, um, and, and to, you know, be open to whether things do fit and perhaps be a bit broader in that definition. Um, but yeah, over the years, we've been offered so many opportunities to kind of go and do more professional sports events. Um, and you know, that's where having a strong vision, um, you know, helps, you know, and a strategy helps because, If we go and do, you know, of course, our events division can go and do pretty much any event. You know, that's the the nature of event management, and they're very good at it and very well resourced for it. But if we go down the route of doing, you know, uh, professional sports events, then what is our point of difference? We're we're then kind of trying to to compete with much bigger fish. We're, We're just a generalist sports marketing agency. By having our niche and our USP and our our vision and just being exclusively about participation, not only can we compete against the big guns in in our industry, but actually often, you know, we beat them, um, provided that the playing field is participation sport. So we've always kind of, you know, held firm, despite the fact that professional sport is perhaps more lucrative uh, in the knowledge that, you know, we can compete in participation sport, and we believe and we still believe that our time is to come. And I think that, you know, the planets are aligning around that in terms of what happens kind of 2022
0: onwards. certainly echo that. It reminds me a bit of the um, conversations we had at Two Circles, where if I had a quid for everybody who'd said to me, rights all are fine, but why don't you work for brands because they've got more money? <laughs> You know, I've been better off doing that than, than having to the two circles business. But, you know, we had a sense too, like you, that, that the market and society was changing, digital was changing things in quite a material way and, and wanted to focus and believed in the benefit of focus. And, um, you know, certainly I need to be reading the, the national press, um, the news pages, not in the back pages of the national press, um, over the last sort of three to six months. You see exactly the space that, that that limelight are going to find themselves fitting in um same space i'm and rabbiting on about in the, my book as well it's you know that's the way the world's going the way it's moving and um i guess it's just kind of hunkering down and and um letting that future play out in your favor really in the, in the in the midterm and what 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 does that future look like so so you know what, what what's ahead for limelight in the next year two years
1: well, I think the future for our industry, you know, generally speaking, our industry weathers economic downturns very well. I, I don't know why. I'm sure, um, you know, that's that's been studied. But we've seen, as I said, you know, for a long time now, I've been doing this role. And whenever there's been a the 2008 weather, we were still still growing. So I think, you know, generally, our industry is quite resilient to, to economic downturns. Then the pent-up demand. So we, we've all seen, uh, you know, and... The, the the number of people who have got back into physical activity or started for the first time. Uh, I think Couch to 5K had huge kind of, you know, numbers uh, signing up uh, last year. So there's that pent-up demand, hopefully from a, a new audience that that hopefully we, we can kind of tap into. Um, but there's also, you know, the amount of people who have, I'm going to do a, a marathon one day. I'm going to do a triathlon one day. I just think, perception you know people's mindsets now have changed they're not going to be one day they're going to be i'm going to do it as soon as i possibly can uh, and i just see our industry really uh, kind of uh, uh, having the opportunity to capitalize on that huge pent-up demand that said our industry needs to evolve and it needs to uh, as i said at the start you know present things in a way the consumer it makes it easy for a, a consumer uh, that you know that gives them that supports them on on their journeys um, in in what we call the active world. So using participation sports events as your motivation, your inspiration for all those um, hard yards that you do uh, training uh, on your own. So so we are going to be launching a new product, uh, so uh, a tech-based platform that enables people to find the right um, uh, challenges uh, for, for them. We're actually partnering with lots of our what, perceived competitors, so we're actually going to be promoting other people's um, uh, events and, and challenges if we believe that's right for where the consumer is on their journey. Uh, we're also going to be, you know, looking to use kind of uh, exclusive opportunities and uh, you know different ways of you know coming together with your friends to and making it simple to participate with your friends, and all of these things are what we're going to try to do uh, through. Uh, the the new membership subscription platform we've
0: created When you've got a technology team crikey that sounds knowing a bit about what the back end would look like for that that's that's some challenge but i guess what's what's most interesting to me in that is probably that notion that you know partnering with competitors and putting the the participant at the middle of it and saying well yeah we're going to break down some structural rivalry you might have had with other organizations the athlete's going to be at the center and you know there's plenty of sports that's going to, are going to be following that with interest because that's ultimately the way that, that our world is moving
1: yeah absolutely I think what we've seen our industry has been very very competitive uh, and you know what the pandemic has done again is is brought people working much closer together, whether that be lobbying uh, government or doing research on outdoor transmission or uh, sustainability uh, environmental sustainability. All these myriad of things that you know the industries come together and, and started working together. You know we think that needs to go one stage further. And as you said, it you have to put the customer first. Not we need to sell all this event, event inventory, all these places. Like that's what we need. That's not necessarily what what the consumer needs. They need the right thing at the right time for them. And there's only so many. You know it's great we've got uh, seven events that, that we uh, kind of own ourselves. Um, and there's lots and lots of different opportunities for people to to participate and start their journey, but there's obviously geographically um, the number of you know we can't possibly own uh, enough sports uh, events or cover enough sports to have a solution for for everybody, and so we want to try and help people find what that right solution is for them.
0: It's the way that um, I think sport is going to find itself going it's just going to have to break down some of this stuff and fantastic job in, in the launching of it. When, when's it launches? It sort of launches this month, is it?
1: This week. Yeah. So um, initial feedback is great. Uh, we've had some brilliant brand partners come on board, some fantastic uh, event partners. Um, yeah. So we're very, very excited about it. Very, very daunting. Um, as you say, quite a different uh, set of skills required. Um, moving to a subscription model from what is traditionally, you know, events are a very transactional um, model. Um, so yes, there's been a, a very steep learning curve.
0: And, and how will you, how will you know, take aside the, put aside the numbers for a minute. Like how will you know in three years time, or you see in the organisation or see in the customer that, that it's worked?
1: Yeah, well, hopefully we're going to have uh, a lot of members that have been retained from from the early uh, days, we're going to be uh, Engaging them to help us kind of develop the, the product into something they want. You know, we, yes, we've done lots of, of research uh, to come up with the, the first version, but we imagine that's going to change massively over the next uh, three years. It's a very new concept for our industry. We think it's uh, an industry first. There's some great membership you know, uh, plans out there. Road roadrunners have been doing it for a long time. But this is cross sport, uh, cross industry, cross organisation. So yeah, very very new. So yes, retention will be huge. Um, using the feedback, using the data, obviously your world map uh, to to make it um, to to improve things. But also using that data, you know, f- for us, what's going to help bring more people into sport physical activity is getting more brands involved uh, and partnering with brands to enable us to um, kind of create more campaigns and programs that that bring people into. Into the fold, and and to do that, our whole strategy has been about creating different entry points for brands. You know, Nike kind of uh, for Nike, we've created some amazing kind of campaigns which they've completely controlled, brought new audiences in uh, into into sport. There's not many Nikes out there, so how do we kind of you know any brand that wants to tap into the physical health, mental well-being, the community that that uh, our uh, events and campaigns bring, we've got something for them. You know whether that's the digital platform, whether that's partnering one of the uh, original events, or whether that's creating something with the agency. And we hope to use the data that we get from the, the platform to help shape and, as, as I talked about at the start, use that insight to kind of engage more brands and showing them what their consumer wants.
0: I guess outside, from an outsider looking in, if you if you can blend that meaningful social contribution like we talked about in terms of using sport and exercise to, to influence in the broader sense and put that together with hard accountability around digital impact the insight that data creates you could be onto a real, really interesting right and left brain solution for brands. So, so all the very best of luck with it. And, and maybe we can do a follow up in sort of 18 months time to see how the, the sort of strategies evolved a little bit older. When do you reckon if you were a betting man, which I know you're not, I know you quite well, um, when would you say the next, when will be time for the next strategy? Do you think?
1: I think group wide, I would imagine within four years. I think for the individual divisions, I can see the strategies. I think the, the digital division, the strategy would evolve very, very quickly uh, as we get more feedback. Um, and, and I think, as I say, I think the product will probably change significantly from this first version. Um, so yes, uh, group wide I hope not for for another four or five uh, years uh, because it takes a huge amount of resource and thinking uh, away from day-to-day operations so it you know to do well, I, I think you have to spend the time um, and hopefully we've we've built something that's kind of robust enough and flexible enough for us to kind of do mini strategies. For each of the divisions within it, but our overarching plan hopefully will, will take us forward for four or five years.
0: Very good. So listen, we we um we tend to finish these up by asking people to sort of sum up their main message from the from the podcast and what they've been talking about in ten words or less. Okay, being a data guy, I kind of have put some parameters around it. So um, if I were to throw that challenge at you, Craig, how would you do that?
1: Hopefully it's less than 10 words. Uh, have a clear vision, create true believers, and be flexible.
0: Nine. Give us that again, just for people who are on their runs training for one of your events who kind of thought that was great, but now I've got to climb over a fence or something and I've forgotten it. Go on, give us it again.
1: Have a clear vision, create true believers, be flexible.
0: Awesome. So listen, mate, thanks ever so much for taking time to just sh- candidly share with everyone the journey you've been on and I'm sure we all wish you all the very best of it. I'll be um, I'll be subscribing myself looking for events that are outside of the kids' cricket season that can handle a, a slightly post-lockdown 46-year-old male. So thanks ever so much and uh, keep in touch.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on.
0: The Playbook Podcast is published by SportsPro and is part of a wider series delivering agenda-free, pragmatic advice on how to navigate your organisation through change. To explore the library and find out about the Playbook Lab's Residential Executive Training Program, head to sportspromedia.com slash playbook.